0: So my name is Nicole Pham, I'm a member here at Restored, and um, today I get to have the pleasure of introducing Sarah, and uh, I know, yeah, we're so excited to hear from her, and today she's going to be stepping into something new, uh, something that can be intimidating um, for so many of us, and um, we get to be a safe place for her to like try this out and to learn um, and to receive from her, uh, trusting that God really has given her a special message for today. Sarah is a woman who met Jesus um, in this community and um, has been just growing tremendously in her understanding of his love for her and in her identity as his beloved. Um, I've had the pleasure of getting to know Sarah over the last five years and living life with her, and she really does feel like a part of our family. Um, She's a woman that loves deeply and is generous um, with her time, with her affection. Um, She's a woman that is um, just learning to listen to God's voice, um, to God's voice, um, what he says about who she is, her um, just how he views her, and it's changing how she views herself. It's changing how she interacts um, in the workplace, in all relationships, all spheres of life in her family. Um, and she really is a woman that is growing in boldness and courage, and I'm just really, really excited to hear from her today. So I'll call her on up. Um, I would love to... you. Um, Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for uh, this sister. God, thank you for saving her. I thank you for adopting her into your family and for bringing her into ours. God, I thank you for, um, yeah, just her heart and for what you've given her to to preach on today. God, and um, I pray that she would just feel such peace and feel your delight um, over her, God, before she even says a word, that you delight in her, that you adore her, that you're proud of her, that um, and you are with her, God, and I pray that she would just feel your presence as she does this, and um, that there would just be freedom and joy, um, and that she would just know, yeah, how loved she is, and just thought of the passage in Ephesians um, that says, like, she is your workmanship, God, and God, um, and We've prepared works in advance for her to do, and um, that she would just feel such a um, just sense of freedom as she does this. God, and um, that You would speak powerfully and mightily through her this morning. Uh, we love You, Jesus. Amen. Are you Mike? Okay. Thank you.
1: All right. Good morning, guys. Um, as Nicole said, my name is Sarah, and I am a member here at Restored, and yeah, I'm not normally up here, at least for (laughs) this part, so um, this is my first time. Um, Our lead pastor, Andy Rogers, who usually does most of the preaching at our church, is actually with his son Calvin at a winter camp for fourth and uh, fifth graders, so he is away, and he asked me to preach this morning and I actually have the honor of closing out our series in Romans so we're wrapping it up guys (laughs) Um, and you might be wondering why me why is it me um, preaching this morning and to answer that question I'm actually going to read today's text it's the last 10 verses of Paul's letter to the Romans that we have now been studying for over a year So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Romans chapter 16. We will be starting in verse 17. It reads, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who create divisions and obstacles contrary to the teaching that you learned. Avoid them, because such people do not serve our Lord Christ but their own appetites. They deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting with smooth talk and flattering words. The report of your obedience has reached everyone. Therefore, I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and yet innocent about what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, and Lucius, Jason and Sosipater, Sosipater, my fellow countrymen, greet you. Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is the host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cortis, greet you. Okay, I think I got past the hardest part of saying those names. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. (laughs) Um, I want to actually pause there and really focus in um, on these next next cluster of verses. So let's keep reading in verse uh, 25. It says, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever. Amen. So in these verses that close out Paul's letter, he is worshiping God. He is saying, to God be the glory because of Jesus. And what has Paul so excited in these verses is when he describes how God has revealed the gospel to Gentiles or those far from God. He is saying people far from God, people who are not Jewish, who have no background with the God of Israel, no background with the Old Testament scriptures, AKA Gentiles, are putting their faith in Jesus and obeying Jesus. And this leads me to why I'm up here preaching today. You guys, I have to confess something to you. I know it might come as a shock, but I need to let you know that I am not Jewish. (laughs) That's right, I'm a Gentile baby. I know you weren't expecting that at all, but it's true. Uh, I I really am a Gentile and more importantly, um, according to Paul's teachings, that means that I'm someone who is far from God. And it was actually in this very church, Restored Uptown, almost exactly to the day, five years ago, that I put my faith in and started to follow Jesus. So I actually get why Paul is so psyched and ready to worship here. He was psyched for me, or someone like me, because I have experienced the fulfillment of what Paul was talking about here, and it has changed everything for me. Growing up, I had a lot of experiences that impacted the way I interpret, interact, and experience the world around me. And the experiences that impacted me the most were those where I was either rejected or rewarded for something I did. And the meaning I made from those experiences was that who I was innately is unworthy or undesirable or that I'm only truly loved and special because of the things I did or achieve. I learned that people's opinions of me had the power to build me up or tear me down, and I vowed that I would do everything in my power to please everyone and anyone I interacted with to protect myself, to earn love, and try to prove that I was valuable and worthy. And I would work really hard to keep up that appearance of being good or smart, funny or easygoing. I would wrap experiences and achievements around myself like bandages to make myself presentable to the world as if I were an invisible body that could only become visible or valuable if something covered my surface. And I lived most of my life in fear fear I wouldn't do enough, I wouldn't be enough, fear that people would see right through me and find me worthy of rejection once again. So I developed an idol of approval, which meant living every day for others to affirm me and show me or tell me that I was worthy. I had taken a good desire for love and affirmation and elevated it to a level of need so high that without it, I felt desperate and incomplete. And it was about this time, five years ago, that I entered a very hard season where this way of living uh, started to observably fail me. Uh, First, it was with uh, my boyfriend at the time who I had found out been cheating on me and I stayed with him for months after finding out. Even though he had no real intention of changing, uh, I kept trying to make it work because the fear of being alone and not getting that affirmation in the value of girlfriend was greater than the pain of staying with him. But the relationship did eventually end. I then desperately sought out another relationship (laughs) that would satisfy, Um, but when they all continued to fail and leave me lonelier than before, I decided to put all all my attention into my work and my career. My identity as a great employee felt rock solid, and I believed it would always continue to satisfy and reward me. But then an incident out of my control happened, and my manager began to distrust me. And that job that gave me a sense of worth now became just the opposite. And for the first time, I couldn't prove that I was good enough. And as the storms of life uh, continued to come, uh, the unstable foundation of praise that I had built my life on had completely crumbled away, leaving me feeling lost and completely devastated. I felt like I was stranded out at sea with nothing to cling on to, alone, frantic, and desperate. And it was at that very low point uh, that God placed someone in my life very close to me to reflect and reveal himself. A new coworker started at my job. Her name was Bianca Miku. You might recognize You might might have met her, you might recognize that name because it was the woman who came and um, prayed for Ukraine a little bit ago. But um, yeah, she became my coworker and she uh, became a friend, Uh, a friend that pursued me and shared her life with me and asked questions and listened and cared and fed me and loved me. And she also gave me the best gift, better than anything I'd ever been given Uh, She told me, there was a God of infinite love and delight in me, a delight that was steadfast and faithful. It was not contingent on who I was or what I did. She told me of his great sacrifice to have me, and she said there was the possibility of having true and lasting worth and value in the identity as beloved daughter and be free from the enslavement of living for the approval of other people to find true satisfaction in a safe resting place where I would never be rejected. And you guys, it it took a while for this to really sink in. Um, Bianca describes it as the dawning of the sun. It was a slow burn as I wrestled for months and struggled to believe that this is real and true. Bianca invited me to Restored, and it was eight months that I was started to come and was going, and, um, but was still not fully understanding who Jesus was and why he had to die for me. That was two, until two major things happened in the span of the same uh, 24 hours. First, I heard in a sermon one Sunday about the true condition of my heart, and it was actually Tom Logue from Restored Temecula preaching that morning, and he was talking about trying to be a good person and how you would measure that, and he asked, do you think other people would still think you are a good person if all your internal thoughts were attached to a megaphone and were broadcasted out for all the world to hear? My eyes got really big, and I was thinking, wait a minute, I didn't think that counted. Uh, But in all seriousness, it was the first time that I realized sin wasn't just a behavior issue, but a heart issue. Something in that moment I knew felt impossible to really fix on my own. The second thing that happened the next afternoon, it was after work, I was sitting at my dining room table. I was working and received an upsetting email from my boss disapproving of something I had done. And I began to get that familiar, devastating feeling again. That heavy weight in my chest, an actual physical pain, knowing the disapproval of my boss and feeling how it was destroying me. Uh, and in that moment, I remember telling Jesus for the first time, I don't want this anymore I don't want to continue to live my life like this. I want you, Jesus. I want to have the life and the freedom that Bianca first spoke about, and I want to surrender control and the way I've been doing life to start following you and trusting you, Jesus. I've been told that you'll never leave me nor reject me. I want to trust that that is true and to begin to build my life on something I'm told is more secure. And in that moment, I honestly believe I felt God's spirit fill me and in the place where I had for so long felt pain and fear and loneliness and shame, I began to feel warmth and peace and joy and a lightness like I had never experienced before. And Jesus changed my life because that girl that was so desperate to be found worthy and not be rejected who was searching for love and affirmation in all the wrong places, finally found it in the arms of her savior. To now know that I am the precious and beloved daughter of the king of the universe who has a love and an affection for me that never wavers, never changes, and has nothing to do with what I do, but has everything to do with who he is. (laughs) To experience completely undeserved love that was all mine just for putting my faith in him. And still today, in the most heartbreaking and terrifying moments of my life, when I am tempted every day to believe that my significance comes from my performance and what people think of me, I am so grateful to be able to run back to the firm foundation of his love. And it hasn't been easy or perfect by any means. I didn't just put my faith in Jesus and then never experience fear or rejection again. But five years later, I can say it's only getting better and better and I continue to feel more free and less controlled by people's opinions of me. And to tie this back to our passage for today, people experiencing the life-changing power of the gospel, people like me and my story is why Paul was so excited to worship Jesus. Paul is worshiping in this text But what else is he doing in these 10 verses? And the answer is quite a bit, actually. For example, we see that he warns them in verse 17 through 18. He brings up divisive people. He says, look out for people who preach a different gospel. In other words, if anyone wants to add to the gospel, then don't have anything to do with that. Anyone that is seeking to divide the church over things other than Jesus are not people we should listen to. People that want to make something other than the gospel of of Jesus the center of the church's teaching, unity, or mission. He also is encouraging them. In verse 19, he says that the Roman church is famous for their obedience. And then he promises them something about the future. In verse 20, he says that they are going to crush Satan under their feet. Now, that's a pretty intense statement. Lastly, he reminds them one last time of the gospel, that the beautiful gospel is for all people in all places in verse 25. And it's actually verse 25 that I want to highlight this morning. It reads, Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel, and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages... When Paul says the gospel is able to strengthen us, Paul is saying the same power God uses to save us by the gospel is also the power he uses to strengthen us in the gospel. God launched your salvation by the gospel, and he will sustain it by the gospel. The the gospel is the power of God for all salvation, not just justification, but sanctification. It's not just how you begin the Christian life, it's also how the Spirit motivates us to live the Christian life. Tim Keller says that the gospel is not just the ABCs of the Christian faith, it's the A through Z of the Christian faith. Paul has spent 16 chapters showing you that the gospel is all you need to live the life God has for you. It's not just powerful to change you, but also the whole world. The gospel helps us make sense of the world around us. These are 16 chapters to show you the gospel can transform you, 16 chapters to explain that the gospel is the hope of the world. So let's quickly review where we have been over the last year together, working through Paul's epistle to the Romans, and wrap up everything we have heard and learned so far. We'll start at the beginning in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 1. drink before I do that okay verse one Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord who is a descendant of David, according to the flesh, and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all Gentiles, including you who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. I'll pause there. Isn't this similar to the end of the letter which reminds us that the letter has one big theme, which is what the gospel is and how it changes the way we relate to the world around us. So Paul points out, In chapters one and two, that everyone you have ever met, Jew or Gentile, black or white, gay, straight, rich, poor, male, female, Democratic or Republican, is estranged from God. And that is our biggest problem. And it's also the source of all of our other problems. And then in Romans chapters three and four, Paul lays out the way that God has made us right with him through trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus we see that if we have been reconciled to God, everything we touch should be impacted. That as followers of Jesus, we become salt and light, and we go into the world and change the environments we find ourselves in. In the same way that light makes things taste different, we become reconciled to God, our creator and king, and we take his kingdom wherever we go, and it changes things. And then Romans chapters 5 and 8, Paul says... If you have been reconciled to God, it actually changes a lot of things immediately. There is newness all around you. The gospel is even better than you think, and there are gifts everywhere. And one of the gifts we received is the promise that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which we read about at the end of Romans chapter 8. It starts um, in verse 37. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What an amazing promise a promise that the original audience would have struggled to believe because of the objections rooted in the Old Testament concerning God's promises he made to Israel. So in Romans chapters 9 and 11, Paul works through some of those objections and arguments and presents a God eager to save, a God who works mysteriously yet mercifully and shows how God always keeps his promises, just not always in a way that we would have seen coming. But that still would have been confusing for Jewish Christians who had been taught for years prior to becoming followers of Jesus that Jewish people were more important than Gentiles. So there was likely ethnic and racial hostility in the Roman church between Jewish and Gentile followers of Jesus. Again, Jews, of whom Paul was one, had always viewed themselves as God's favored people And in light of that, they were wrestling with a lot of questions, like who is more important in the church, Jewish or Gentile Christians? Isn't our way of relating to God the right way? Are we called to observe the Old Testament law as disciples of Jesus or not? For Gentiles to be made right with God, don't they need to trust in Jesus and obey the Old Testament law? Do I have to love Gentile Christians For a lot of us, we have grown up under under the oppression of the Roman government. We have been overtaxed, property stolen, our children killed, our daughters sexually assaulted by Gentiles. Are they really my brothers and sisters because of Jesus? Paul sees this and knows that Jesus prayed for his church's unity in John 17. So Romans teaches us that because of the gospel— The church can live as a unified church. But again, the only way you can unify a group of people as diverse and sinful as humans is through Jesus and his work. In other words, the gospel. Paul reminds them that they are now one big adopted family with one big father and one big brother in Jesus. And Romans 12 then becomes the hinge of the entire letter showing us that those who believe the gospel must inevitably become like the gospel. Those who have been greatly loved become people of great love. So in Romans 12, Paul teaches the church how to live life as a spiritual family committed to loving one another. He lays out the type of family we should be, a family that is noted for its worship Empowering culture, honor, honesty, generosity, service, forgiveness, hospitality, enemy love, empathy, grace, and peace. Then in Romans 13, Paul teaches us as a church family how to relate to hostile culture and government by obeying the government and living as good Christians when the government doesn't disrupt our ability to obey Jesus or ask us to do anything wrong. And teaches us nonviolent civil disobedience when the government asks us to do morally wrong things. Then in Romans chapters 14 and a part of 15, Paul unpacks what might threaten our our unity as the church. And it's when we expect uniformity instead of unity when we make following jesus about having certain black and white opinions that the guy, that the bible gives gray answers to if at all in the modern day this would look like who to vote for secondary theological issues how to educate children or specific plans on how to deal with different social issues we are facing today then 2 weeks ago in the second half of romans 15 we inferred from the example of paul that we all have a calling in God's kingdom, a sacred trust in carrying out his mission, something that we are uniquely gifted and positioned to accomplish. And then finally, last week in the beginning of Romans 16, we learned from Paul's network of relationships that we are part of a worldwide family. We are part of what theologian Michael Eaton calls an international fellowship of love that our church family is even bigger than just our immediate church family here locally, but is a global family as well. Which leads to today's text and the end of this letter. I want to go back now and highlight verse 19. Romans chapter 16, verse 19, it says, The report of your obedience has reached everyone. Therefore, I rejoice over you but I want you to be wise about what is good and yet innocent about what is evil. Paul is saying that the people are being encouraged by and rejoicing in the obedience of this Roman church. He's like, just so you know, people are encouraged by your story. He is indicating that we can be encouraged by the growth and obedience of each other. This is similar to what Paul says about the Roman church in chapter 1 the passage we read a couple minutes ago in verse 8. It says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his Son that I constantly mention you always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So he thought that the best way to end this sermon series was to be mutually encouraged by hearing some of the testimonies from this church. I I will now call Adam Jones up to introduce some people, to share what Jesus has done and through them, what Jesus has done in and through them these past two years, and hopefully Just like Paul's hope for the Roman church, you will be encouraged by their stories of faith in Jesus and his gospel.
2: I'm going to call Maria Orta up here.
3: It's me again, guys. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) To be fair, Royce was supposed to be the offering, but he's sick, so pray for him. Um... The way that I have experienced the gospel um, or God transforming me with the gospel is in the place where I find my identity. Um, Some of you know my story, but um, I grew up, my mom was an immigrant, um, so she didn't speak English, and she still doesn't speak English, actually. And so most of my life, um, my relationship with my mom was one of, like, codependence. Like, she depended on me for a lot of things. I grew up, like, the only time she really, like, Showed me like affection or affirmation was in the times when I was able to like serve her or translate for her or cook or clean or just like make her life easier, you know, and and then when I was in my teens, um, I ended up moving in with another family, and my experience was actually like so similar. Um, I felt like they were really busy, um, like I wasn't really a priority, and like most of like. The way that I was going to find um, belonging was in making myself kind of as as invisible as possible while at the same time alleviating the the pain and the need of everyone around me. And I kind of transferred this same thing like onto God and into like my other relationships later on in life. Like I just assumed um, that like God loved me, but now he was like waiting for me to kind of get my life together (laughs) to like not need him anymore, you know, and and. I found so much of my identity in serving people, in doing things right, even like being in ministry or being overseas. I I think I thought that if I did things right, if I performed well, if when I felt acceptable that God like accepted me and when I was running behind or when I wasn't doing or achieving the things that I thought I should be, that God was kind of like waiting to like replace me or to really like reject me or abandon me you know but what the gospel um showed me in the way that god um has been like really shaping my life really in the last few years has been in just like realizing that like not only did jesus like take away my sin um but god actually like gave me jesus's reputation as my own and that like he sees me through the lens of like one of like jesus's sacrifice um and brendan manning he has this quote He says, define yourself radically as one beloved by God. This is the true self and all other identity is an illusion. And I feel like the gospel has shown me that like all of those other things that I picked up, whether implicitly or explicitly in my life, were all actually illusions and that the greatest truth like about me is that I am like someone like loved by Jesus, that God isn't like surprised, God doesn't need me to perform, but that God like loves us like right where we are um, whether we are, um, achieving, like, yeah, the standards that we set for ourselves, and there's a parable, um, that really spoke to me, too, where it talks about, most of you probably know it, of Jesus, like, leaving the 99 sheep to go find the one lost, and the more that I meditate on that parable, the more that I realize, like, how, um, Passionate And tender like the love of God is for us that he really does see us as like uniquely like loved and chosen by him um, And so that's how I'm growing in the gospel like I'm growing as someone who's growing into believing that I am so loved by God and that everything else um, Is kind of yeah an illusion and I hope you feel that too
2: Thanks Maria and then lastly, I'm going to call Trina Hobbs up. Thank
4: you. Hi, I'm Trina. Um, and in the past year, similar to some of the things David said, I think God has really been transforming me in the area of vulnerability and Um, growing deeper in community here. Um, So if you do know me, you know that I can be a little shy at first, um, guarded, and um, don't love sharing things that are going on in my life. Um, If you don't know me, that might be why. Um, (laughs) um, And I've been part of churches growing up in communities, um, but I kind of thought I could handle things on my own. Um, I've even been in like leadership positions where I just thought it was more loving to be someone who is positive and encouraging for other people, um, and serving instead of also being filled myself. Um, and so this cycle kind of just left me like feeling anxious, often lonely, isolated from people. Um, and so fast forward to when we started coming to restored my husband Brent and I started coming about two years ago um, and this was a time with like a ton of changes going on in my life um, it was the like middle of first really chaotic year of being a teacher um, we were planning a wedding that had to get canceled because of covid it was the start of like pandemic shutdown so just isolation from people and family um, in our lives. And so um, it felt kind of uncomfortable and um, yeah, just out of my comfort zone. But we got plugged into a GC um, during that time and most of it was over Zoom. We kept showing up for sometimes awkward Zoom calls, um, figuring out who's sharing, who's talking. Um, But I felt God calling me into something deeper. Um, So I kept showing up. And a lot of the time, I probably listened more than I shared. Um, but God was patient with me and meanwhile had placed all these people um, around me that were also just patiently pursuing me and loving me. Um, and I remember just being really overwhelmed by um, people that we had known for a couple weeks, um, sending messages to check in, like someone in our group crying tears for our wedding that we weren't going to get to have. Um, dropping off gifts to us um, again like within the first few weeks of knowing us and I think that was just like a huge example of Christ's selfless love um, and it didn't feel deserved but it also made me realize like the reason that we were connected and in this community was because we were pursuing Jesus together um, and that is something that connected us during that time and I've just been reminded over and over, um, like in the Bible, how God says our only command is to love others, like He loved us. Um, and so I have been processing that. Um, and I think fast forward to like this past year, um, I've felt Him really challenging me to go deeper into community that um, we can't be like halfway in if we're tru- truly loving people and able to take that out to other people outside of this community um and so i think something else that god has really shown me through um being able to open up more bianca tells us every week like keep us current and i've been trying like as real things come up in my life to do that um but i think god has highlighted that um like community is not going to fix me it's not going to satisfy me all the time um only jesus can do that but what community has done and being known and loved in community um has given me people to pray for me, to encourage me in truth through scripture, um, to highlight things that the Spirit is doing that I might not be able to see myself, um, to challenge me to sit and wrestle with what God is doing in my life when it is uncomfortable. Um, And they've just been like a reflection of Christ's love in my life and how God calls us to go be that to others. Um, So I'm definitely not transformed or perfect at this yet. I still at times want to just like hide or say everything's okay. Um, but God has definitely been, like, transforming me in that and pushing me deeper into community um, and meeting me with people along the way to support me and walk with me in that, and my hope is just that um, as I get better at that here in this community that I will also be able to, like, bring that to people who have not experienced, like, authentic community before or selfless love from others before. So that's how God has been shaping me this year.
2: Thanks, you guys. I'm gonna call um, the us up here. and We're gonna move into worship here as we close out. Um, yeah, I'm just reminded of, of each of your stories, how God works through this family, um, and how we're literally like the hands and feet of Jesus. Um, and just reminds me of how like grateful I am for you guys too, um, and just to be a part of this family a family that um, Encourages each other supports each other not only celebrates but walks through um, challenging seasons and carries each other's burdens is um, Really beautiful and such a sweet reminder of uh, what it means to be adopted into this family So I'm gonna pray and then um, we're gonna go into worship here God, thank you for um, Jesus. Thank you for um, that he would experience loneliness so that we would never have to be alone. Um, God, thank you that um, you sent him, that Jesus came to live the life that we could never live, um, and that because of his um, obedience, that because of his uh, life, death, and resurrection, um, that we have now been adopted into this family your family. Um, God, I just thank you for um, my brothers and sisters here, Um, not just here, but um, across um, San Diego um, and globally the world too, Lord. Um, God, I just pray as we um, move into worship that um, we can uh, celebrate um, what it means to be a part of this family. Um, We can celebrate you um, and The truth that, um, yeah, you'll never leave us, that you'll walk through, um, that you're walking beside us through um, each and every um, way where we're at in our own unique ways right now, Lord, and that you're walking through with us through the highs and through the lows, God. So, um, yeah, we love you. Um, It's in your name we pray. Amen.